Football season is here. That means it's time to load up on some delicious ice-cold Coke. Pick up Coca-Cola from your nearest retailer today. Stand and cheer for the Panthers. Stand and cheer for the team. The pride of both Carolinas and city of the Queen. Carolina! Stand and cheer for the Panthers. In our grand old name. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Panthers Brawl. This is a special episode, and obviously, as you can tell, we are a little short-staffed, and that's because I we decided to give Jeff and Tyler the night off. Uh, we're going to have a couple special guests for y'all from the Panthers Brawl community come on to talk to the episode uh, for our episode, but before we get to that, we're just going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that's been going on here just today. Um, so to start off, the NFL came to light that the NFL proposed a new rule that I'm actually going to talk with Clay, uh, talk to Clay about, where instead of having onside kicks, the NFL has proposed that the scoring team, the scoring team will be allowed to take the ball from their own 25-yard line on a fourth and 15. Jesus. If they convert, they get to continue, and if not, the other team gets the ball going in basically in the red zone, and that's. One of the most ridiculous rules I've ever heard proposed from the NFL. Bro, and we talked about it earlier, fam. Imagine Kansas City being able to score. They say, you know what? Nah, we want the ball back again. Yeah. So, four to 15, Patrick Mahomes scrambles around, launches a bond to, 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 to re-kill. Now it's another first down. Now you're down two scores. You haven't even touched the ball yet. That Chiefs game where we play them, if our if our defense isn't clicking, they could eat, we could never see the ball. They could have the ball the whole game. Man, it, it, it's already a disparity between the, the the one. The beauty of the NFL is that there week to week, there's not there's a lot of parity between the worst team and the best team. If you put the worst team against the best team per week, and they can now and and now the best team can now score and then score again because they never have to give the ball back. No, we don't. We don't. We don't. We don't do backyard football here. No, because I mean, like onside kicks, you could always do them, and ideally, you could always try to get an onside kick, but. The conversion rate for onside kicks as opposed to the amount of 20-plus yard plays there are in the NFL, and granted, they're not all, you know, fourth-down scenarios, and I can't I can't think of the last fourth and 15 conversion. But, I mean, it's like a Madden play. You could send four verts and have Lamar just roll out, and I guarantee you in open space, Lamar is going to be able to get that 15 yards. Oh, bro, it's, it, bro, it will create so many problems for the bottom half of the league that actually, you know, it's trying to find the like, – like, imagine, like, the Buffalo Bills. They never want to – the 97 record they had, go ahead and make that 3-13 and 13 because you're not – be gone. <laughs> It'd be over. gone. The, 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 def- the Patriots' defenses of old would, wouldn't be able to do anything. That would no. be, ho- be horrible. As if defense isn't already put on the back burner enough. Let's – hey, you know what? You know what? Bump it. Fourth and 15, you can keep the ball still. It's just – and I'm not saying a lot of people would do it, but it's like, you know – There'd be a co- there'd be a coach there'd be a team that would continue to try to do it and I just I mean if you kept it on a, on a situational basis like maybe only and with two minutes left in the half or game and then you can do it or maybe only this losing team would be able to do it but then that's pretty discriminatory if only the losing team can do that because the winning team can always kick an onside kick they just don't normally choose to because why would you? It's a cool option. I just I, I just it's a cool idea. Yeah, but with. The same thing with the instant replay for pass interference. It's a it's a it's a nice thought, but we should never try to experiment with this. And that experiment failed pretty quickly, as it was just announced today as well that they will not be renewing that rule 
and they only not even allowed to revisit the option for another year. Now, I've always been a proponent that the pass interference rule should be reviewed, and I thought they were doing a good job in in theory, but then in practice, they really just they did not hit their mark. I understand what they were trying to do, but you got to let it. You got to give, and I understand it's going to take too much time, and it might give you know the power of too many people. But it's not like every penalty needed to be reviewed, and not every pass interference needed to be reviewed. It's just yeah. those pivotal games, those pivotal plays. Like I mean, that's how we almost got. To, we almost beat the Saints this past season, and awesome. you can't tell me play. that because you can't tell me for certain receivers like Curtis Samuel, if he's going full speed un uninhibited, he's going to get to that ball. Like he's not going to be able oh, to yeah. knock back. Oh yeah, man. With the athletes of today, bro, you. you <laughs> well, you, you have a bunch of guys running four threes that are six three, two hundred thirty pounds. It's hard to just judge these guys off of, off the off the human eye just in real time and and get and get it right every time. But for the most part, I will say this: they do they do a well, they do a good enough job, I think, in real time of getting it getting it right. The Saints just had a one moment, which it was pretty bad. I'll give them that. It was a bad, oh, it was bad. It was absolutely awful, and it cost them a chance to go to the next round of playoffs. So I mean, like you know, obviously. I understand. I understand it, but it it we really should have never gotten the rule in the first place. You know, just because you don't want to review. Don't, you, have play, you have certain play. I mean, and you can't say that one play makes a game. You can't say that one play. But to the other side, because I think the NFL was scared that if they kept doing rules like this, it was going to snowball into you know any game change affecting penalty could be reviewed, and then at that point you risk becoming you know the fans of the NBA hate. The worst thing they hate about the NBA, for the most part, is the fact that it's too, it's too, you know, it's too pillowy, it's too marshmallowy that every little thing gets called. Exactly. And I think the NFL was scared of that. But then you take plays like, you know, the Packers game this past year when Bruce Irvin barely even touched Aaron Rodgers, and we, and again, granted, they didn't get anything off that drive, but that was yeah. another play where, okay, you, sh if you look back at the replay, you can see obviously he did not hit him that hard. And he you know what? You think about that play. Think about it. they were backed up into their own goal line. If if the stop happens right there, instead of them driving all the way down the field, they punt the ball from their end zone, and then there's a possibility of points being scored by us before the half. Like I mean, those plays. I some sometimes some of these plays can be reviewed, but I you know that's just the that's the nature of the game, and that's the beauty of it too because it it was a double edged sword. It works both ways. I mean, we've had we've had a bunch of plays go against us, but we also had some plays work in our favor before. So you know. Yeah, I mean, it's like, and the, the one thing I think that was the issue with the with the rule too is that at the end of the day, you still have the human error of the refs because we've seen refs make some horrible decisions, and just because in that moment they don't, you know, it's it's just their instinct. So I think unless you had a consolidated thing for the entire ref association, I mean, you, I was watching the uh, the Giants Panthers 2015 game, yeah. and I was looking at the replay, and I was like, how in the world? Did Odo Beckham not get ejected for those oh, for that play? That's beyond me. Like Josh Norman should have gotten penalized and should. I mean, of course, this is before you know two personal fouls is automatic ejection. That was before mm -hmm. all that because he had two personal fouls before the third quarter of that game. Yeah. But when you have a player that literally spearheads somebody and he doesn't get ejected, that's, like that's over. No rule change is going to affect how that ref thinks because that yeah. ref obviously decided believe that you know they were should still be allowed to play, which. I mean, and again, we were biased. I remember I was fuming. Oh, I was. Oh, I was upset. I, and I, I was, was ready. I was ready to punch anything. Oh, because at that point, I, well, one Odell should have been ejected from the game and also suspended. Because I, how in the world, you know, Willie, that you preach about head safety, do you allow a guy to launch himself head first into another guy? You know, 
Becky. And not only injure him, but injure KK Short was under him. And you had another play that was, I mean, there was the, there was linemen down there. There was people that were getting, I mean, he flew into their bodies. But, you know, that's yeah. that's neither yeah. here nor there. And you can, it's the NFL. You, you, you know, you, you take it. You take what you can get. And, I mean, come three months from now, if there's no NFL, we'll be praying for horrible calls. We'll be praying. Oh, just we want to see some football. Anything, bro. We'll be begging for it at, this, at that point. And then the last the last crucial kind of weird little tidbit from this week, and I saw it earlier today as well. It's all kind of been today, which we were kind of blessed with that uh, we've gotten this information. Um, and it's – I don't know the logistics of it, so I'm going to put that as a disclaimer so I don't get anything, any any fake news or false information. But we saw a tweet today from a fairly credible source that an, an adult entertainment site, and that's how I'm going to put it, and for legal reasons, has, yeah. been, has, placed a, has placed a $15 million bid for the naming rights of the, of the New Orleans Superdome for 2021. I don't know how where, where they are in the deal process. I don't know where they are in terms of who else is bidding for it and how much money they actually like 50 million doesn't sound it's really crazy to say that 50 million doesn't sound like enough for naming rights. Oh, it's, but it, it, it's like it's close to enough for naming. It, it, rights. it really doesn't, especially for the Superdome. You know, that doesn't sound like it'd be right, but could you imagine Al Michaels reporting you know, or ah. announcing and now uh, you know tonight on Monday or you know tonight live we're at Fill in the blank arena. Because <laughs> again, they, ha- they have to let Joe Buck do it. They have to let Joe Buck. <laughs> they have to let Joe Buck do it. They have he has to, to announce every Buck. game at, at New Orleans. Oh, good lord! Yeah, he has to. He has to. It doesn't matter on what on what network he's on. Joe Buck is now the official <laughs> that the official reporter of the New Orleans Saints. I don't care. He has to do every game. As a community, I don't think we also I don't think we addressed that whole thing enough. And the fact that he tweeted at them saying that he would just be getting a good amount of his own money back. Yeah, we did not get into that. Uh, we did not get into that. And, Sports Twitter, you know, the, the Twitter world should have blown up at that because you're a nat, you're a pretty highly ranking TV personality, and you and it's Joe Buck. I understand, yeah, but I would say this: Sports Twitter is the last. Avenue of Twitter that's kind of still as 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 unfiltered as it was when I first got there. True, it's like the last section of Twitter that still doesn't care about anything that's going on outside. We gonna get these jokes off, and we oh, gonna yeah. say anything and everything. And to be and to his credit, FS1 they they're they're, they're edgy, you know. They're, they're, <laughs> That's how you want to put it. It's a little edgy, you know what I'm saying? They'll, they'll let some things slide. I think, you know, yeah. Why I mean, not? I guess at this point, if it was, and it's like I've been saying, I've said it some other stuff, or I said it uh, earlier too. It's because there's not a lot we can physically do about some of these things. People are getting away with a lot of wild stuff right now, just oh, because yeah. people don't have the the time or the willpower to actually do something about it from the comfort of their own home. Just yeah, yeah. You you have to really be offended by something or really be you know committed to something if you're going to go out of your way to in quarantine you know do something socially about it at this point bro at, at this point you everybody just wants to be entertained and this is the best time for if you have anything like controversial to say this is the best time to get it off because look at this point we just want we people just want entertainment people right? just bore. Bore, we bore out of our minds at this point bro 
and I sympathize for them. And we, you're going to try to kill some of that boredom for some of our, you know, I, I, I don't like to say fans because I feel like they're, I mean, they're fans support. of the team. We're all fans. That, yeah. That's it. Look, 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 we're just a common group of supporters. Is what I mean. that's, exactly. That's, we're like-minded group of individuals. And so, I, but we're going to try to end the boredom for them and some of the listeners and some of our, I mean, honestly, there are, there are friends. There are people we've known in the community and, and in the fan base and just from around the area. So, uh, to start off our special fan episode of the Panthers Brawl, uh, we're gonna we're joined by a longtime friend of mine, and actually my I'll mention it again, but uh, my freshman year roommate at South Carolina and a longtime Panthers fan, Clay Sellers. So Clay, uh, we got you on, man. All right, awesome. Hey Clay, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks so much for having us on here. So for those who don't know, and because uh, he, he didn't even really mention it in the post, and that's just kind of like Clay. Uh, Clay and I. We're roommates freshman year of college, and uh, we both went to high school together, Providence High School here in Charlotte, North Carolina, met through Chamber Choir, and uh, we both found out that we were going to, we both knew we were going to South Carolina and just decided to uh, to live together and have been, you know, friends ever since. So it's awesome to have you on the podcast, Clay. Yeah, I'm excited to talk Panthers. It's kind of nice to talk about sports when there's really nothing going on, so. Yeah, and that's kind of the reason we did this because I mean, as a podcast, normally in the offseason, you know, it's kind of tough to find topics. I mean, you have some free agency, you might have mini camps, but right. now we don't have any of that. So I was kind of running out of ideas and I thought it might be nice to bring some, you know, some loyal fans on because, I mean, you like you said, you've been a fan since birth. So, I mean, growing up in North Carolina and having that, you know, right in our backyard, it was kind of, why wouldn't you be a fan of the team, you know? Right. Yeah, it was always natural to be a Panthers fan. Um, kind of like I said in the post, I remember having the Super Bowl party back in 2003 um, and going, Dad, did, did we win? And, you know, everyone's so disappointed after the game. Um, but like I said in the post, too, I really started understanding football in probably the late 2000s. Um, and ever since then, I've just really enjoyed watching the Panthers um, and definitely moving away from Charlotte and moving to South Carolina kind of strengthened my love for the Panthers because everyone's a Panthers fan in Charlotte for the most part. So it was kind of cool when you got that mesh of fans from all over the country that you're like, you kind of want to wrap them harder. Yeah. And it was wild seeing all the, like you get there immediately. So many Eagles fans and Patriots fans. Yeah. And it's weird just cause they're all coming from up North. And right. luckily I didn't ruin your fandom anymore because I remember that, that year <laughs> after the Super Bowl, watching games in the dorm room with you. you. I mean, you know, you saw how I was watching football games. It was, it was tough to be around. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the whole even year curse is is really tough to be around. So, a freshman year, twenty sixteen football was no bueno. But luckily, we had you know Gamecock sports were insane that year. I mean, with the Final Four beating Tennessee in football, and you know having the women's national championship, that was that was a great year. And it's the memories of that that is what you know I'll take away from college. And you know, being a fan of a team this long, we've gotten to see so many different eras of the Panthers, you know, the Cam Newton era, the Cardiac Cats era, all that kind of stuff. So for you, if you can pinpoint one, whether it was at the stadium, you know, in person, or maybe just watching on TV or something off the field, what's been your favorite Panthers memory? Yeah, so, um, you know, there's been some great ones over the year. Obviously, the whole Super Bowl run, we had tickets during that. Um, and going there and kind of knowing you're going to win was pretty awesome. Um, and as I said in the post too, being a Gamecock and seeing Demir Bird score those couple of touchdowns uh, for the Panthers was really sweet. Um, but for a long time, we had seats that were underneath Jerry Richardson's box. Um, it was always kind of nice because, uh, you know, when it was hot, the air conditioner would come out of the box and when it was cold, the heat would come out. 
Um, and so, you know, they were kind of nice seats, they were covered, but he had a couple security guards on both sides. Um, and I think in eighth grade, I fractured my wrist playing soccer. Um, and I was at that Jaguars monsoon game oh. uh, where the water's just like yeah. crashing in from the uh, upper deck. And, uh, and the security guard, uh, he had been there. He might still be there and he might've just retired, but he was there the entire time that we had tickets. Um, and he saw that I had my cast on uh, and he went down to the gift shop and got a, um, like a plastic bag for me to wrap my cast up in um, and kind of like left his post and just saw just out of the blue came and walked over and he's like, hey, I got this for you. Uh, it might help keep that dry. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously there's so many on the field memories, um, but that's one that kind of symbolizes what the Panthers are to me. And as an organization, I feel like they've always done a good job, even with, you know, Jerry's obvious off the field issues, like him bringing in McCaffrey to sit with him at a dinner to feel like he's a good enough person to represent the franchise. I feel like even with Tepper coming in, that's something that they've kind of made a staple is bringing in good people. Um, yeah. And the staff's kind of the same way. No, oh, yeah, always. I mean, you hear the Richardson stories and the, the good ones, you know, when they first signed Greg Olson and he had all his issues with his son's health. I mean, he flew him, he flew Greg to like one of the top doctors in the country to, 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 to check out his kid and he financed it all himself. And that's kind of like for a person that he had just signed to the team. And it's funny that you mentioned the employees too. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast or not, but, and you know me, you know, I have the deadly peanut allergy and, <laughs> uh, and bank of America, you know, or just football stadiums in general, you know, peanuts are a big thing there. Um, and so I remember it was the uh, 49ers wildcard playoff game back in, I think 2013 is when it was, I'm fairly certain. Um, we uh, ended up losing, yeah, <laughs> odd year, so we were doing well. Um, it was Steve Smith's, one of his last years, I'm fairly certain, if not his last year, because um, I remember there was a huge touchdown to start the game, and the stadium went crazy. But to start the game, we were sitting there, and I have to cover up when I go to these games just because the dust from the peanut shells is worse for me than actual peanuts, which is weird. But the, normally, you know, we check around to see who's sitting around us, and if, they have, if they're eating peanuts, we ask, you know, if you could at least just push them off to the side. And most of the time, people are very nice about it. This game, fortunately, the fans that were eating the peanuts were not as helpful. They weren't as 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 um, cooperative. So I was kind of just like I was nervous. I was still I was still young. I mean, we were still in high school. I was I was still nervous. And the security guard that was down at the uh, was walking up down the stairs heard us, and he came up to me and we didn't even ask, but he was like, "Hey, we have these empty uh, handicap seats down at the very end of the bottom level. You know where they have it right up to up to the rail. Right. Like um, the person that normally comes to that." and sits there was not able to come so if y'all want to get away from that and sit down there there's nobody there so we went from the top of the bowl down to about the 50 yard line you know in the at the end of the, of the upper deck which was that was for a play and for a playoff game too and so you know especially for me that was a really unique scenario so when you talk about you know the panthers you definitely talk about that southern hospitality and just that good that good-hearted nature that the organization's always had so yes. switching gears um and knowing you, I know you're a huge NASCAR fan. You're a huge international sports fan, big soccer fan. And in the last couple of weeks, you've seen the Bundesliga, you've seen NASCAR, been able to still carry on and have live sports without fans. And they've been, I mean, knock on wood, they've been pretty successful to start out with. I mean, NASCAR is bumping their race frequency with races on Wednesday and Sunday. And then we're going to have this Coca-Cola 600 coming up and then another race on Wednesday as well. And the Bundesliga, I'm sure, is operating on a normal capacity as much as they can, even if they do have social distancing celebrations after goals. <laughs> but 
do you think that the NFL will be able to kind of follow the path and follow the mold and find something that works without having fans there and also maybe college football too? Or do you think that it's going to, it might be a bit longer that we might have to wait for, uh, for football? You know, it's going to be interesting. I think I'm sure you saw the new South Carolina schedule um, where they're basically for anyone that didn't see it, they're sending kids home at Thanksgiving break um, to go online for the rest of the semester. And I saw a couple posts on Old Row and Barstool where they were saying, it's great, they're going to be there for football season. Um, and I think it really is going to be a feel thing. Do I think that they're going to have the ability to sell the stadium at full capacity legally? I don't think they'll be able to. Um, but they obviously don't want to miss out on the potential revenue of leaving the stadiums empty. I really don't see him playing behind closed doors. It just doesn't seem, it just wouldn't be football. Yeah. You know, behind closed doors with no one there. Um, so, you know, I, I wish I had a better answer, but I feel like it's really going to be touch and go. Um, obviously, you know, we want to see it, but there's really no point being reckless about it. Um, and it might give the Panthers a little bit of extra time to get some offensive pieces too, because uh, I know we'll talk about what we're looking forward to next season, but uh, it'll definitely be an interesting season. No, oh, yeah. I mean, uh, so does that does that show potential? You know, if we were to start normal, are you were and but maybe not have training camps because some. I mean, like you know, you saw Sean Payton. He's told his team, "Don't don't come until training camp starts. I don't want to see y'all. Like, stay home and, and hey, if you if the Saints want to do that, by all means, they can take. Yeah. <laughs> let them do it. Let them, let them wait and let them rest it out. Does that worry you as a Panthers fan for all these new pieces that we're going to be bringing on that they might not have enough time to to be able to mesh and find a system that works for the new team? You know, if I felt like we were in a window right now, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. But given where I think we are as a franchise right now, I don't think I'm as concerned about it. Um, I'm sure that those guys right now are, you know, still meeting with the coaches and they're still, you know, studying film and doing what they can to get integrated into the team as best as possible. Um, but yeah, you know, like you said, if there's a shortened season and let's say we take, you know, South Carolina's mentality for it, the Thanksgiving football games are a staple of the NFL season, but they're also week eight, week 10. And so you really cut off for the Super Bowl is January, February. And if they're really anticipating a spike, you know, around December, I think it might be hard to get all the games in. So, you know, I, I could definitely see them postponing it and then trying to run it after things hopefully clear up in February or March and they kind of run it through the early spring. It'd definitely be a change. It, I definitely would. And it, and it sucks for, you know, certain, certain leagues. Like I saw the NBA is trying to bring it back and they're trying to continue their season in Orlando. I also saw the MLS is trying to continue to do their season in Orlando. I think the two leagues need to talk to each other because that would be kind of pandemonium. And then it, it just sucks for team uh, leagues like the XFL. Finally, a, a, you know, a minor league football, a minor football league that was, that was getting it was it was it was getting momentum and it was actually doing well and it didn't have a whole lot of monetary problems yet it had good ratings and then what are you gonna do you know it was it was kind of it was snuffed out but then I mean some players have gotten obviously able to come through into the NFL obviously Panthers got PJ Walker and Kenny Robinson out of the XFL I'm excited for that a little bit and then yeah, definitely. Panthers obviously uh, added some other Gamecock talent and Farrell Cooper are you excited to see him in a Panthers jersey? Yeah, I hope he can uh, – I missed the Cooper chance, the Coop. And, yeah. Uh, and williams Bryce, that was fun. Um, 
maybe he can have an impact kind of similar to Demir Bird. He's definitely a speed guy. He was a kind of burner guy. Um, and it seems like that's kind of something that the Panthers have been missing a little bit is someone to stretch the field. Um, kind of looking for that Ted Ginn effect, but I don't even know if Cooper's hands are quite as good as that. But, hey, I'll vouch for my Gamecocks, and hopefully he can have a pretty big impact. Yeah, and with Luke being gone, we need a new elongated vowel chant and maybe yeah. <laughs> get that in kick return game. Cause, and I just want to see one of the, the – because the Panthers have had a string of – of Gamecock wide receivers that we've had, like we had Eric Norwood for a while, but then injuries, obviously he wasn't able to have a, a you know a good career. And I thought Tamir Bird was doing all right. I guess they just didn't feel like they wanted to keep him or pay him the money he thought he deserved. So hopefully Farrell Cooper can can bring that, you know, special teams um, um, velocity back to the team. Cause that's something, you know, the Panthers have obviously been missing as of late. And right. so, uh, you know, couple more questions. Um, so a couple days ago, the NFL sent out their uh, proposed rule changes to the teams. And one of the most interesting rules, and it was just kind of announced too, was that the NFL is proposing to an alternative of the onside kick, where the scoring team, instead of kicking an onside kick, if, they, you know, if they're down, they can elect to go to have one play, fourth and 15, if they get it, obviously they continue from their own 25, and then continue to have possession that's that sounds like some xfl stuff that's that's the most ridiculous rule i've heard come out of the nfl in a while what what are your thoughts on on the validity of that rule and would you want to see that in practice yeah i think that's uh i think that's pretty wild i i think the first thing um i'm definitely a numbers guy i would love to see the statistics on a 15 yard play versus the onside kick and oh, how similar right. those are in conversion um but i think it would definitely be interesting uh, you know, I feel like the special teams is kind of something that's getting a little bit phased out of football. Um, you know, you were talking about the Panthers lacking in special teams. There's obviously the awful Colts game from last year. But on the other side, uh, I could be totally missing something. But the last kick return that I can think of for the Panthers was Kaloe Pilares. Um, oh, oh, my and, God. Ben. And I, I can't think of another kick return that the Panthers had since then. Um, and, you know, they've talked about they've moved the kickoff forward and there's an increased number of touchbacks. And, um, you know, kind of with that trend, I could see that being something that gets put into place. Uh, but I, I think it'd be fun to see. I think I, I definitely enjoyed watching the XFL. The mic'd up players was fun. The go for in, going for one, two and three after touchdowns was pretty cool. Um, and it's not something I don't think I'm ready for in the NFL yet. But the fourth and the 15, I think, could add kind of some spice to it I mean you just don't see onside kicks anymore and you might see one or two converted a season but you do see you know probably three or four 20 yard plays a game so when a team's kind of expecting hey it has to be 15 yards do you line everybody up 15 yards back no family movie night is complete without some delicious ice cold coke pick up coca-cola at your nearest retailer today with metro and the best deal in wireless you can rule your day Get two lines with 5G access included for just $35 a month per line, period. With taxes and regulatory fees included every month. All on America's largest 5G network at no extra charge. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. Requires auto pay. First month is $40 per line for two lines. 5G access requires capable device. Coverage not available in some areas. See Metro by T-Mobile.com or store for details. I think it'd be kind of something cool to challenge the teams with. Yeah, I definitely would be. I don't know if I would want it as a 
a permanent alternate to where they couldn't have any onside kicks at all. Maybe just to have it as a choice, you know, kind of like the old, the, the old super old rule that people forget about where you can pick the ball up and place kick from anywhere on the field after the kick, you know, that rule that people forgot about that is a thing and that the Panthers did. I can't remember what game it was this season, but we did it and it was the oddest game, wasn't it? What? It was the Bucks game, wasn't it? I in think the- it was. And it was, uh, it was, was that the one in London? And that was, yeah, because everyone was yeah. like, oh, the fans had no idea what was going on because they yeah. don't know the rules already. And they're like, wait, you can't, this is, what is this? Yeah, the British fans and the American fans had no clue what was going on. It was kind of funny. The most unifying moment for international football. Nobody <laughs> knew what was happening. Um, but yeah, so maybe if they have the, the option to do it, because I mean, you talk about timing and talk about situation. I mean, if you're only down by say three, then you're not going to want to do fourth and 15 from the 25, because if you were to get the onside kick, then maybe you, you have it at midfield, you know? So I guess that would be a better way to do it, but I think it'd be definitely interesting to see. And definitely, I hope in the future, they bring some more of those XFL rules. in. I thought the coolest thing was the, uh, in-game interviews on the sideline. I thought that was hilarious. And that was just the coolest thing to see, especially, you know, for guys like us, where after the first touchdown the XFL was scored, it was Austin Prohl, our old, you know, old classmate who was getting talked to. And I thought that was was really dope. And so we've been talking about it. We had in the last episode, we kind of did our schedule breakdown and I can't, I should have looked again. I forgot. Um, And I think we, I think we said it was seven and nine was our predicted record. And I think that was going a bit, you know, a bit, and uh, that was a bit more positive, I think. Um, so as a fan, because, you know, that was another thing when we were, you know, when we were roommates, we were kind of opposite sides of the spectrum in terms of our team. You know, I kind of was like, you know, we could be a bit more positive, you know, trying to boost. And you were a bit more just realistic with the team in terms of, hey, we <laughs> suck. So yeah. I want to see what your take was on what you think the season could bring for the Panthers in terms of, you know, what's their ceiling as a, for a record and, you know, what's maybe the more re- realistic option. Yeah, no, uh, you know, I was kind of watching some uh, some Colin Coward clips. I know some people are, you know, on and off about him, but he had some of his over-under picks for the NFC South and kind of everywhere in football. Um, and he was kind of saying that seven wins was, you know, we could almost bet the over on that. Um, and I think that's because he was high on Bridgewater. Um, which I'll be honest, I'm not 100% sold on Bridgewater yet. And I think that's kind of some of my skepticism. Um, you know, I really like a lot of the pieces on our team, but, you know, we look at guys like DJ Moore. I don't think he's an elite number one wide receiver. I think if the Patriots come into town, you don't have to put Steph Gilmore on him every time to lock him up. Um, and so I think, you know, losing Greg, we're going to be losing some targets on offense. I'm excited to see Robbie Anderson come in. Um, and we obviously have McCaffrey who touches the ball, you know, 70 times a game, but, uh, but no, right. My initial thoughts were at least with the way that we drafted, um, I was hoping that maybe we could have a season kind of like the bears did last year, which obviously was not super exciting. You know, people weren't dying to go watch the bears. Um, but a real focus on defense, um, and then doing what we could on offense, and it might play the exact flip of that because we have a little bit more experience on offense and not as much on defense. Um, but, you know, Matt Rule seems like he's a rebuilding guy and Matt Rule's good at offense. Um, but you can tell that he's focusing on defense because he knows that's his weak point. Um, and so if there's a real focus and emphasis on defense the whole offseason, we could come out and have a pretty stout defense. I mean, Derek Brown, he's NFL ready. He didn't miss a single tackle his senior year. Um, you know, gross matos. 
I think he's going to be awesome. Jeremy Chin has some really good footage. There's, you know, there's a lot of really good players that I look or that looks like we picked up. Uh, I think we had a really good draft, one of our best ones ever. So I'm excited about it. But yeah, I can the six and ten, seven and nine. I think that's I think that's appropriate. Yeah, I mean, and we've been talking about it because I do think that the offense, all, at least the pieces on it, I mean, they, they have the ability to, to, to win 10 games. They can put up the points. It's just, you know, sure. I think defensive side, I think the biggest thing with this team is, and unfortunately it's the worst kind of time for this to happen. I think we have a, a bunch of really great pieces, both on offense and defense and in the coaching staff. Problem is we have less time than ever for those pieces to come together and make, you know, a complete team. Because it's kind of like what I, it's kind of like what the Titans have had the last couple of years. They've had a lot of good pieces and a lot of good, you know, on paper. But up until last year, that was the first year it kind of all clicked. And I think the Panthers, like I said, like you know, I think there's a lot of great weapons and a lot of great, you know, potential. But it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see how long it takes for them to all gel together, you know. Because I mean, you only get, and I think as a coach in the NFL, you should get, you know, at least four years to, to see what you can do. I mean, that's what we gave Ron for the most part. It was maybe three and a quarter, but then he, you know, took that eight game winning streak and we gave him more time. But that's another thing too, when you have a head coach on a team and a franchise that has only had, what, four, four head coaches, I think, maybe five. I can never remember. It's, yeah. it's, there's a lot of room for comparison and a lot of room for, you know, some, some scrutiny, but it'll have to be interesting to see. And uh, so, Clay, thank you again so much for coming on, man. It was awesome getting to getting to talk to you about the Panthers again. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'd be happy to come back on anytime. And, uh, yeah, anything else you want to say to Panther Nation before you get off? Uh, you know what? Just keep pounding. Guys, keep your head down through the you know pandemic. I know it can be frustrating and kind of stir crazy, but we're going to get through this, and hopefully we're going to get through it with some Panther football. Hopefully, man. All right. Thank you so much, buddy. Yeah, thank you. All right, awesome. Thank you, man. That, again, that was Clay Sellers, a longtime uh, friend of mine from here in Charlotte, North Carolina, calling into the Panthers brawl. And he's, he pretty much said exactly what I thought he was going to say. We've always had kind of bashing opinions about the Panthers. Uh, like I said, he's a bit more realistic minded. I'm a bit more optimistic for my team, you know, a bit more supportive. But uh, he's, he's a great guy, a great friend. Uh, and again, a fan of both NASCAR and the Panthers, pretty much a lot of Charlotte stuff and soccer as well. So it was uh, awesome getting to talk to him about the Panthers as well. Uh, now moving on, Chantice, you got you called the next guest, right? Oh yeah, right. Oh, look, look, I had to go. I had to go make a phone call to one of to one of the best Panther fans I know from the University of South Carolina, the Big Stepper himself, Jonathan Brown. Man, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. All right, so all right, John. So what can you? What's your favorite Panther memory of all time? Like, what's the one moment you have that when it brings you, as soon as you think about it, it, it reminds you of Carolina Panthers football? Um, well, I have two of them that are tied. Um, the 2016 NFC Championship game, which was the two, from the 2015 season, and the 2004 NFC Championship game from the 03 season. Those two said the top for me. And so, hey, man, so for you, who is your favorite all-time Panther that everyone may not think of? Like, that, like we have the top five, of course, that we always go to when we think about Panthers football. But who's your favorite that just may slip your mind if you're not a true Panthers fan? Ooh, man. I had to think about that. Um, I guess Jake DeLone, maybe, if he's not one of those people. Yeah. Yeah, he would be. He would be. Probably the second greatest Panther quarterback all the time, but get definitely behind Cam Newton. So uh, I can see, I can see that. And in the end it off, man, where do you feel this direction of this team is going? What, how do you think 
what do you think of David Tepper's ownership at this point and where he's taking this team into the future? Um, I feel like with the moves that we've made or lack of moves that we've made this year, I feel like the direction of this team is going for a rebuild and that we may not be good for another four or five years. So I guess we're going to have to have some patience with it. And the direction in which we're going, I, I honestly don't know with this ownership. I just don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been I, I, I know that's been the biggest question around the around Panther Nation is like what, what where are we trying to go? Are we trying to tank? Do we, do we want to compete? Where uh, what are we trying to accomplish? We still haven't signed some key guys and I feel like in the secondary at cornerback that we may, may maybe should have signed during our during free agency. So I it kind of just hit and miss as we keep moving along. But, man, uh, I want to appreciate you for coming on. And, like I said, keep, uh, keep everybody keep looking out for the Panthers ball, uh, Panthers ball as we keep pushing forward. And keep and keep a lookout for Jonathan Brown and his podcast, The, Re- the Reality Roundtable, you guys. So, go, so be sure to check that out as we keep moving on with the Panthers ball and the Brawl Network. So, Jonathan Brown, I want to thank you for coming on. And, definitely need to get up again at some point to talk some more Panthers football. No doubt. Appreciate you. All right, man. Yeah, guys, that was Jonathan Brown uh, from University of South Carolina calling from Columbia. Uh, man, it's great to have great to have him on. I know he's a big-time Panthers fan. I know, we're, like, like all of us, we're just waiting to see some Panthers football coming up this season. Yeah, he's a he's a longtime fan of the Panthers and a long time and a first time or not a first time, but one of the first fans that we had on, on the podcast. And I hate to say, I hate to say fans, but he appreciates it because he's also uh, a fellow podcaster. And I don't know if you, I don't remember if he mentioned it, but he, if you want to plug his podcast real quick, oh yeah, most definitely. You guys be sure to go follow the reality the the reality roundtable podcast and follow Jonathan Brown at his at name on Instagram is at Jonathan Brown forty five. So be sure to go out and give him a follow. And just go support a, a fellow Panther man. Yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. Like I didn't, I I barely knew him. I had a class or two with him, and then you know once we started talking Panthers, he would just kind of join in in the J oh. school. So that was always I, I knew he knew what he was talking about. He oh, didn't he's listen. An avid didn't even didn't even sit in on one of our uh, one of our recordings for our episodes. Yeah. Oh yeah, most of them had no problem walking right in <laughs> <laughs> and just sitting there and listening to us. That's the homie, we, though, man. That's the homie. As we as we re- recorded at, in the middle of the night in the J school in an area we. Probably weren't allowed to record him, but hey. We, I'm pretty sure the, the door was, was supposed to be locked before we got in there. What are they going to do now? <laughs> <laughs> we we really we really dug out of the South Carolina kind of bucket this time, but um you know and I talked about it with Clay. It's it's kind of, there's a lot of fan, different fan bases in South Carolina and the you know the, the the college. I mean you had a lot of people from up north, so you have a lot of Eagles fans, a lot of, of you know Patriot fans, a lot of uh, teams like that. But you also have I mean you still have a good amount of Panthers fans. You know South Carolina it's always been you know two states one team and. South Carolina hasn't always felt that way for the most part. They haven't felt as represented, you know, as North Carolina has. But, you know, with everything now that Tepper's trying to do, moving, you know, the team headquarters to Rock Hill, it's become a bit more focused on that true two states, one team mentality. But um, so pulling from, you know, for our last uh, listener who's going to call in, he's also out of the University of South Carolina. Um, and that it. is, uh, yeah, I mean, you love to see it. And it's just where we can pull from. And it's also the people that reached out, reached back out to me. So what are you going <laughs> to do there? But um, lastly, we've got Joe McLean calling on the podcast. So, uh, Joe, we got you with us, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I'm, th- thank you for having me. Happy to do it. 
course, buddy. So um, to start off, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, you know, what you're doing, what you're, what's going on right now, and then kind of your beginnings as, of becoming a Panthers fan. What drew you to the team? Yeah, so um, again, my name's Joe, Joe McLean. Um, I'm from Florence, South Carolina, probably two, two and a half hours from Charlotte. Um, I just graduated from South Carolina last December. And um, really, I mean, I've been a Panthers fan essentially my whole life. Um, my grandfather was actually an original PSL owner, you know, back in back in the 90s. Um, and so at the, you know, at the stadium, there's all those Panthers statues, like at the entrance. Mm -hmm. um, the one kind of towards the practice field, mm -hmm. his name is like etched into one of those. Oh, wow. And so like, yeah. And so, I mean, I'm not a, I wouldn't call myself a bandwagon yeah. <laughs> for yeah. sure. Like I know there's a lot out there, but um, but I, I've been basically, you know, for as long as I can remember, you know, I have a bunch of, you know, memorabilia and that sort of thing. So. No, definitely. And so, I mean, growing up in Florence and pretty much, you know, with Clemson and that area kind of right in the background, I guess it was kind of imminent that your family, you know, became Panthers fans with them starting out, you know. Yeah. And again, yeah, I mean, yeah, my mom grew up in Charlotte. Um, my grandma lived there. My grandfather lived there. I still have some family there, so I definitely have some connections up there. With yeah, that. and it's awesome to have, you know, lifelong fans and, and family mm -hmm. fans because, like you said, especially after the 20 – and we've lost a bunch of them since, you know, 2015, but that year that year of 2015 was it was rough for fans like us who have been with the team when they were 2-14, and 14, yeah. you know, and had to, and were mm -hmm. getting bullied for being Panthers fans in their own states. And then – Oh, yeah. Ugh. No, I um, – because, I mean, obviously, you know, USC and Clemson is so big. You know, in this part of South Carolina, and there there be people like growing up where I mean, they're they're Panthers fans, you know, per se, just because they're right by Charlotte. But you know, when they start got getting really good with Cam, like they became these huge fans all of a sudden. I was like, oh, where were you when we were like winning like five games? <laughs> well, literally, like I would get I would get bullied in middle school for wearing Panthers gear, like the the, yeah. the like that two that two, yeah. uh, two and fourteen season. Like I would still wear my Panthers gear, and I have kids go like, "Why are you doing that?" And I was in Charlotte, mm -hmm. and you had the God yeah. the God forsaken Thurs. I don't know if y'all had that in high school. We had oh, Thursday. I forgot about that. Yeah, every Thursday, like all the girls and all the high, like popular high school kids would wear like Panthers jerseys. Like y'all don't even like the team. What are you doing? <laughs> And I still yeah. have I still have friends today call like call like say go Thursday. I'm like you need to stop. I need you to not no. say more. But um, so being a fan for this long, um, kind of like me and kind of like Shantice, you've had a lot of different eras of the Panthers and a lot of different memories with the Panthers. But if there's one that you can pinpoint as kind of your favorite memory, whether it was in person or you know a game that you just watched on television, like the rest of us, um, what what, what do you yeah. think that would be for you? I mean, obviously, you know, the easy answer is the. Uh, the championship game against the Cardinals. I mean, obviously. Um, but probably for me, because, you know, they had the first Super Bowl, and then they were kind of off and on again for a few years. Then they were really bad. And then they finally started getting good with Cam. But um, for me, it was – I remember they played, like, the 49ers. Yeah, it was the 49ers, like, in, like, 2013 or when they – like, their first good year in, like, a long time. Because mm -hmm. for me, that that was the first game where it was it was like wow, like this team isn't a fluke. Like this team is actually, you know, they have weapons, they have a chance to actually contend. Um, because I remember that game. I mean, it was like ten to seven. Like it was a really boring game. Mm -hmm. But that kind of leapfrogged into that Monday night game or Sunday night game against the Patriots mm -hmm. at home. 
Yeah. Um, and then which, you know, that led to that whole, you know, three or four year run with the division titles and the Super Bowl and everything. And yeah. so really that, that 49ers game is kind of what sticks out of when it was like, wow, like this team is actually like for real. No, yeah, I remember that was, I've always said that that season with the Monday Night Football game, with the, mm. I think the Saints division winning game at the end of the season, and then that yeah. first playoff game the where it was Cam and Smitty's first playoff game, even though we ended up losing to the 49ers. It was that season. That I always, mm. I attribute that as one of my favorite seasons as well, just because that was when, you know, especially after Cam had started off really hot, so, you know, sophomore year kind of, he did all right, you know, didn't break the mm -hmm. bank. And that was like, okay, is this, is this going to be legitimate? Is this going to be a real team? Or is this just going to, you know, is Cam yeah. going to throw off like, you know, like all these other rookie sensations? So I definitely shared that mm -hmm. sentiment, even though it didn't end the best way with that 49ers game at the end of it, but still a good yeah. game. I remember I mean, it, was the, it was the first year, or the first year in like four or five years where you, there was actually hope. Yeah. Before it, was, it was just like kind of depressing to watch because they were just so bad for so long. And so that was kind of the first. I remember that being kind of the first time, like, wow, like we can actually go to the playoffs and, you know, who knows after that, so. And it's funny because people like always bash, you know, people, there was like a thing, bring back the buzz, you know that account, right? Um, yeah. And so they were talking about like, who is the Panthers Batum and someone said, uh, Jimmy Clausen and everyone was rushed to defend him because like, nah, Jimmy Clausen got us Cam Newton, we love him. Yeah. So I, yeah. It, because it was right, it was, I mean, that season beforehand, or the season, you know, 2010, we were like, oh my gosh, we're so horrible. And then. Marty here, and he was able mm -hmm. to make you know a pretty easy, a pretty easy dunk and get Cam. So moving, you know, looking forward into this season. Um, what is your? Obviously, it's a huge, huge year for the for the Panthers. It's a different beginning of a new era, and a lot of people talk about rebuilding. We at the Brawl Network, we don't think it's going to be a rebuilding. We even had an article put out where we think it's going to be a bounce back year for the Panthers. But for you personally, mm -hmm. you know, obviously home. You know, when you're a fan, you're obviously more optimistic for your team, or sometimes you might be yeah. more reasonable for your team. You can have either end mm -hmm. of the spectrum. So, for you, what's your biggest fear for the Panthers this year? Um, for me, it's it, one. It's the defense, just because I mean, Julius Peppers is gone, Luke Kuechly's gone. Basically, that whole unit of you know they were kind of the nucleus of all those championship teams and all those really good playoff teams. They're all gone. Um, I mean, the defense was just atrocious last year and they're basically you know having to start over and i know they in the draft they got all defensive guys which i, I thought was good i i'm glad they did that but they're all going to be young um it's not an easy schedule i just think especially at the beginning of the year they're really going to have a hard time um especially when you factor in that the division is going to be a lot better mm. um i mean drew Brees is drew Brees. atlanta we seem to never beat atlanta <laughs> and uh, and obviously, you know, Brady's down in Tampa. And so I think the beginning of the season is going to be kind of hard to watch just because that defense is going to be having to learn how to win and learn how to play in the NFL. Um, and so I think that's going to set your record back a little bit. But I think over over the course of the season, they should improve. They'll get more confidence, that sort of thing. And so um, the defense worries me at first just because of how little experience they'll have. But then also... Um, we'll have to see how Matt Rule, because he's never been an NFL coach. Like, how is he gonna, um, how is he gonna handle that? How is he gonna figure things out? Because I mean, that's a huge jump from, no offense to Baylor, but going from Baylor to the NFL is a huge thing. So, kind of those two things are my kind of two two points I'm interested in. Definitely, those are gonna be. I mean, because those are the biggest ifs, you know, that 
the Panthers have had in a while. Because when I mean when Rivera started, the defense was still pretty was pretty you know the pieces were there and it might not have gelled mm -hmm. already, but it was getting there. And the biggest issue was okay, is this new offense and this new head coach going to you know going to work out? Mm -hmm. Rivera had much more NFL experience, and so this is I mean the, when your franchise it's only had what four five head coaches maybe I mean every head coach. Yeah. Every head coach is going to be under a lot of scrutiny because, you know, there's mm -hmm. not a whole lot to, to compare to. So that's definitely definitely a big issue. So and then as Plus, a fan, I feel like um, kind of a, one thing that's been consistent about this franchise is that the defense has always been kind of their calling card per se. So that's been kind of hard to watch the past few years when they're giving up, you know, 38 points, 45 points, 70 or whatever the Steelers a few years ago, <laughs> like. I mean, that's just um, that's just been kind of a, a staple of the team for so long. So, and I think it's what ultimately lost Ron his job was that the defense just mm -hmm. doesn't let it anymore, and it, it, it sucks. Yeah. But you know, oh, I we, you know we wish him the best in Washington. Not when we play them this year, but for mm -hmm. the rest of the season, we wish yeah. him the best. And then looking on, speaking of you know these games, because there's a lot of interesting matchups that we have coming up this year. A lot of you know returns or a lot of you know reuniting games. But um, as a fan, try and try to keep it reasonable. I think uh, the Panthers, Panthers, while we kept it fairly reasonable, I want to say we had the record was was seven and nine. What do you think the the record's going to be for the Panthers this year? Um, I think the at worst, as in the least amount of games, I would say four. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if everything goes bad and it's just everything weird that I just talked about is the absolute worst scenario that happens, I would say that's four and four and twelve. Um, and then I think at the most you could have you can win up up to seven. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's going to be probably probably about in the middle, realistically, maybe five or six wins. Um, I mean, you might steal one late in the season if you're playing the Saints or the Packers or somebody who don't really care and. Yeah. They're just trying to play for like the number one seed. You might steal that, but I mean, realistically, I think you know five or six wins, maybe seven. You know, maybe Teddy plays really well and he steals a game against the Falcons or something. But um, I think realistically, I would say five or six. Yeah, yeah, that's I think what a lot of people have, have looked at and a lot of people have, have tried to predict. And of course, I mean, even when I'm optimistic or even when the team was doing you know somewhat poorly, I still had us going doing pretty well but i'm trying to be reasonable mm -hmm. here because but i also want to win the games i don't want to be one of those i'm not one of those fans who says no let's let's tank i'm definitely not a fan yeah. of this for trevor and i know you aren't i yeah no. <laughs> so i know we're not there but i mean because i'm we're fans we're competitive i'd rather see the team win mm -hmm. and you know, if, if it wins seven yeah. they win seven games or win eight games that's awesome to me i know we might get a, a yeah. draft pick but you know and you're ahead, then you're ahead of the schedule i mean you're not exactly. the rebuild is not gonna take four years like you think exactly Joe, that's all we got for you, man. Thank you again so much for coming on. Um, anything you want to yeah, say man. to the fans real quick? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, like you said, um, you know, I know this year not going to be as fun as, you know, previous years, but, you know, I think it's going to be still exciting, you know, see the team, see a new era. Um, you know, not just the football side, but, you know, we have basically everything about, you know, the team is brand new from, you know, the owner to – the quarterback to you know everything so I mean, I'm, I'm still excited about this season so hopefully it'll start on time and be as normal as possible but um i'm, I'm still still looking forward to it so hopefully i'll be able to again if fans are allowed maybe 
hopefully if it works out, you know, go to a game or two. So Definitely, yeah. I'm going to try to make the trip down from West Virginia. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on. All right, thank you, Joe, again, for uh, for coming on and talking to us. And uh, like we said, that was the last fan for the night, but we're definitely going to be sure to continue to do this throughout, you know, the Panthers brawl um, experience, I guess, if you want to call it, because <laughs> I think it's a cool way, a way to, you know, get more people's opinions and more people's memories out there, because that's at the end of the day, we're all just fans. That's, I mean, Shantice and I and Tyler and Jeff, we... I mean, awesome. we, we do our research, but we don't know. I mean, we don't know more than y'all. We don't. We just sure. have we have our opinions, and exactly. we're all just, we're all just fans uh, like y'all. So we like to make sure the fan love is is kept up all around because then we're just, if we're not, we're just another you know just another fan account, and no one really needs any more of those. No. But uh, if y'all are interested in coming on, if you like this idea, reach out to us on uh, you know any one of our Instagrams or in the bio of the Panthers Brawl, which is just Panthers Brawl. Same uh, handle on Twitter as well. Reach out if y'all want to talk to us. We'll continue to do these fan posts on Wednesdays like, you've been, Wednesdays like you've been seeing. So if you have a picture of yourself at a game or a memory you'd like to share, please send that to us and we'd be happy to get y'all up there. And we'll let y'all know when we decide to do the next fan episode. So uh, we've got a couple more things you know, in store for y'all as the first season of the Panthers Brawl is beginning to come to an end. It's crazy. We're almost near, near the end of it, but I mean we've been grinding we've been it's we've been, been trying hey, to get it out there it's been the most fun i've had probably come these last what three how many months we've been doing this now three four months now three, three. i think right around january was when we started yeah so yeah. almost three so it, four months so, now. so it's been a lot so it's been a, a night a, a quick three three to four months honestly because oh, when you're having fun but you, you don't you don't even think about what you're doing when, you, when you're just having fun no, I mean, I, I like I have to like whenever I edit the episodes and I have to put like the number. I've always like literally the last three ones. I keep thinking, oh, we're just on fifteen. I'm like, nope, we're not on fifteen. We're on sixteen, or I think this one is. I think this one is seventeen. I don't even remember. Nobody, but, uh, if nobody's caught it, paying attention, I I definitely forgot which, which money in the bank we were on. I'm not <laughs> it's, well, you don't even number the money in the banks, do you? I well, once we did the hundred register one, I I lost track. I was like, you know, like. His name means more than the episode number. I'm like, so I'm like, you know, from that point, I'm like, oh, wow. I guess I guess we are on, like, number, like, what, 15, 16 now, huh? <laughs> I, what, you know, it's, it's again, it's crazy, but we're going to keep those up for y'all. We're going to keep doing this because we love doing it. And um, we're going to keep trying to do different things on Instagram and, and, and Twitter. Hopefully they won't take our, you know, account again. Oh, but, um, please, please. But yeah, guys, uh, just keep your head, keep everyone, you know, keep your, uh, your morale up, keep your heads down. And, uh, and above all else, keep pounding. My local coffee shop is my Penn State World Campus classroom, giving me the full Penn State experience online. It's home to thousands of students working together with faculty to advance our careers, change our careers, or finally earn our degree. My classroom is just like every Penn State classroom because it is getting me to where I want to be. Click on the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more.